Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I'm Sal Nuzzo with JMI. With me is our president and CEO, Bob McClure. Tons to dive into today, so let's get right to it. The United States Congress, we finally have a Speaker of the House. Um, Kevin McCarthy, on the 15th vote, uh, was able to wrangle enough of the holdouts to uh, get the Speakership. Do you think it was even worth it? I do think it was worth it. I think there were a lot of really interesting things that came out of it. I do think there were... um, a combination of a couple things. If you look at the 20, so yep. to speak, uh, some were absolutely kind of focused on cable news and what it does for them and their careers. But I do think there was a significant group led by Chip Roy, yep. Congressman Chip Roy from Texas, absolutely, that were really trying to restore House order and restore the House pre-Nancy Pelosi um, to all of the, the the proper roles of the committees and the the putting forth of amendments that Nancy Pelosi basically waived and and when you run it the way that former Speaker Pelosi ran it, you get these multi billion trillion dollar omnibus bills that nobody has time to read and nobody reads and so that you know that I think was very important. I think Kevin McCarthy agreed to uh, kind of restore the rules of order. Open up the Capitol, release the January 6th uh, tapes, all of them. And so there was a significant group, and I applaud them for their desire for transparency and traditional order in the House. Yeah, I I, I like uh, the fact that uh, Congressman Chip Roy, who I agreed with you on, is it was a pivotal member of that that group. One of the things that he had fought for were seats on the Rules Committee. Now, if you don't pay if if you don't pay attention to the rules of Congress, which most people don't, you might wonder why is that even important. The Rules Committee steers bills to the floor. So its job is to make sure that those big $1.52 trillion bills are not done in a way where members don't have enough time to read them. They're not uh, kind of uh, germane in terms of the, the proper order of the House. So that in particular was a big thing. The other thing, and, and I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out, is the fact that any one member can uh, use it or make a motion to vacate, which effectively puts a vote on the floor for the speaker. It's like a vote of no right, confidence right. on the speaker. And it had been far greater than that. And they, they got it down to any single member. And so I, I wonder... Does that make the position of Speaker of the House with McCarthy beholden to whatever any member wants to do? And so that's one of the things that I'm paying attention to. But I agree with you. The fact that, you know, the what the holdouts wanted, they got. And those substantive rule changes are really going to make a difference in how the House business is conducted. What Probably won't anytime soon make a difference in actual legislation, but the more that we can restore the process, mm-hmm. the better the future might look. Right, right. Those omnibus bills were an utter and complete disaster. Uh, 
passed by Republicans, yeah. Democrats, with tons of Republican help. And I think that was very much the impetus to to what happened there. I also think that um, it's going to be really interesting to see what what happens in the House in terms of moving forward, to your point on policy. Um, I don't, you know, there probably won't be, obviously we have a divided Congress, Correct. but... But this the the next great test for Kevin McCarthy and for what just happened in the House is going to be the debt ceiling argument. Yep, and that's going to be that's coming up. That's coming up, and right. So we'll find out, you know, what what actually shakes out of the reforms that come from the House. Bottom line is the heat is on Kevin McCarthy, and that's the perfect segue to: Do you have a gas stove? I have more than one gas stove. I have multiple Bougie. gas stoves. I have a propane tanks. I've got everything. Yes, I have gas stoves, and I love our, my gas stove. My wife is a great cook. I am an amateur cook, but I like to cook. And, um, you know, it, it reminds us, whether it's the World Economic Forum that's going on right now, Sal. Which we'll get to. Which we'll get to, or this whole idea of climate change, which is such a broad term that, that the left can define it any way they want, that um, the abandonment of fossil fuels, the you know the, the changing of tr- traditional light bulbs, what you're seeing is a move by the left uh, to control the lives of individual Americans yep. on a daily basis. And for every scientist who says the world's going to end tomorrow, I can give you a scientist or 10 that say that's absolutely not true. Let me uh, brief history of climate change. Please. We were told in the sixties, the book, the population bomb came out and we were told that the, that the world was going to be overpopulated within 40 or 50 years. And that we were going to all, all die. Then we were told in the seventies, uh, that I remember um, as being a middle schooler in the seventies, and there were um, You're old. those those I know those middle school science experiments, and we were told peak oil oil was going to run out in thirty or forty years. Then we were told in the nineties that it was global warming. Wait, it's not global warming. It's not peak oil. It's not the population bomb. Now it's climate change, which is undefinable, much like. You know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is undefinable. It is undefinable. And so this is a continued movement marched by the left to control all that Americans want and do. Interestingly enough, the author of the population bomb, who is now, I think, in his 90s, they trotted him out mm-hmm. on some show in an interview, maybe in 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes. Scott Pelley. Yeah. yeah. And, and just kind of, it was a reminder of how wrong the radical left has been on anything related to kind of the the, the dynamic of, like you said, population uh, changes and climate and all of these things. Uh, and it kind of um, uh, it makes me laugh in an ironic way right. that, for better or worse, and I would say for worse, there are still people that refuse to accept the realities presented before them based on a history of 70 years almost of being wrong. Utter and complete failure. Yeah. And the answer, look, there is climate change. We all know there's climate change. There are agricultural records of Europe when you could grow grapes and certain, you know, we know all that stuff. But the answer is 
The free market and innovation. The free market and innovation will solve climate change. Not lighting zillions of dollars on fire in the name of uh, batteries for green vehicles or taking away your gas stove. And I have to say, kudos to whoever came up with the idea of creating aprons for Florida residents with the gas stove that said, you know, don't tread on Florida (laughs) and let us alone. I think he even used Florida's first state motto, the governor did, in one of his press conferences on it. I just love the fact that we not only have a governor who has competence in his policy uh, kind of direction, but who also knows how to take the narrative that the leftists make and flip it right back on them. Absolutely. They will pry my gas stove from my cold hands. <laughs> All right. Uh, question for you. Are you a TikToker? I am not a TikToker. Me neither. Me I'm neither. not. My kids are. Yes. Uh, but they're in their 20s. But yes, they are. Yours are, yours are younger. But yes, they are TikTokers. But um, so I'm not. I mean, I see it. Obviously, I'm on Twitter and I see it and I will, you know, look at funny things, but I'm not a TikToker. Yeah, I'll I'll watch some on on the website or on Twitter, but I I don't uh, have like an actual account. But I am reading a whole lot about the origins of the company behind it related to the Chinese Communist Party. And now we're seeing public organizations, the state of Florida issued an executive order not uh, that long ago uh, requiring all state-issued cell phones to be free of TikTok. Right. Uh, and now we're seeing, uh, I, I just read about, I think it's the University of Texas. If you're within the, the confines of the campus and you're signing on to the Wi-Fi at University of Texas, TikTok is disabled when you do that or you're right. not allowed to use and it. And the U- University of Florida is thinking about the same yep. thing. Congress is talking about outlawing TikTok. I mean, the reality of, of, of TikTok is the way it's used in America is very different from the way it's used in China. In China, it's used to promote the CCP and you know whatever is being done in China. But in America, it's used... Uh, as more of a distraction to gather information, to gather intel, um, uh, that that kind of stuff. And so uh, it, this is going to be a really important discussion to have, but it's moving quickly, and it does seem to be a bipartisan issue. So we'll see where this yep. goes. Yep. Let's, let's stick to Florida for a moment. Let's talk about uh, the governor made a proposal for the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is we know it as kind of the Disney's uh, carve-out. Uh, on taxing and and government operations. Looks like they're going to move the Reedy Creek District into something that functions much like the state water management districts where the governor appoints uh, members to the board and then they govern it. Uh, Do you have a take on this? Well, I think... Broadly speaking, the state of Florida for 30 years, 40 years, has carved out these special districts, Mm -hmm. these fire districts, of which Disney is the largest and obviously the poster child for this. And obviously at the James Madison Institute... You know, we're not believer. We don't believe in rent sinking. We don't believe in, you know, if it has to be subsidized or mandated, we probably need to reevaluate. Not probably, you know, be be suspect if it has to be mandated or subsidized. So if we're going to look at Reedy Creek, which is a special taxing district, there are so many across the state. I can't even, I mean, because think of the municipalities. I think it's several thousand. Oh my gosh. And the the fire taxing districts. I think. 
it would be a good thing for the legislature to look at all of them. Yeah, and it's it's certainly easy to play Monday morning quarterback and, and look at, all right, the Disney district, uh, the Reedy Creek district came into effect in the late 60s. I think it was 67 right. or 68. And they might have uh, tried to put in place a sunset provision on that or something that reflected a reality that, you know, Florida would at some point want to treat Disney like everyone else in the state. That did not happen. I think it's a good thing that we're moving in the right direction, but I agree with you. I think this should be a broader conversation about every special taxing district that has been implemented and rules on when they want to implement future ones. Right. And the sunsetting of of, of all of them or the reevaluation of all yeah. of them by the legislature every 10 years or so. Let's uh let's shift uh, global. We mentioned the World Economic Forum. It's mm-hmm. happening in Davos. Uh uh, the the greatest show of uh, planetary hypocrisy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You've got hundreds of people uh, flying private jets uh, to uh, Davos, all to talk about how everyone else on the planet needs to stop using fossil fuels and carbon emissions. Right. Right. Not only that, uh, in a kind of sordid way, it is it becomes once a year the uh, sex worker. Uh, central of 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 Europe, which is a, a horrible yeah. uh, thing to think about. So between that and the private planes, look, the reality is you have very wealthy people who are basically immune from anything that they implement. What we know to be true about anything that's implemented to quote fight climate change end quote whether it's ending fossil fuels or or whatever the case may be may be is that it hurts hurts the poorest of the world first and foremost those and most in, right yeah those in africa primarily those in asia and you're asking them to sacrifice the most the people in davos they're they're, they're not going to sacrifice anything it's the poorest who want a better life for their children and their grandchildren. And that is even more so the hypocrisy, broadly speaking, of what the World Economic Forum and the the Green uh, New Dealers and the Alarmists are doing, is that they are trying to manage this on the backs of the poor around the world. Exactly. And there's a, there a clip I saw just today, uh, and I assumed it was from this year's World Economic Forum, but it could have been a prior one. But John Kerry, uh, the climate czar for President Biden, was giving a speech at in Davos, and he talked about how special it was and how wonderful it was that you know 300 people in this room could make decisions that impact the entire planet's trajectory and and the and the course of governments around the world and to me that's something to be exceptionally frightened about for the very reason that you state that the decisions that they make in those uh in those rooms should they be implemented, hurt the poorest in the world the greatest? It is It is a sad commentary that something like that is lauded when it should be decried uh, across the globe. And India is not going to do it. They're not going to abide by these, these crazy laws. China is not going to abide by them. And, and countries that want to better themselves, that want their people to be more prosperous, that want to uh, become more prosperous in terms of their growth of their economies they're not going to abide by these things correct correct and 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 so the the utter hypocrisy and nonsense 
of the climate alarmists is just it just continues to to defy you know what 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 is what I see with my own eyes and so you know the pendulum has swung in their direction obviously we have a a white house that believes strongly or at least a president who's surrounded by people who believe strongly in this ideology the goal is to move the pendulum back but it is the poor people the poorest of the poor around the world who were, will suffer the most if if these uh, quote end quote reforms are put into place Shifting back to the Sunshine State, uh, Florida's Democrat Party leader or Democratic Party leader, I always get that wrong, uh, Manny Diaz finally resigned after the 2022 losses right. that, the, that the party took. Uh, and then uh, the glorious Tallahassee Democrat, the paper, quote unquote, of record in Tallahassee, posted a photo of the wrong Manny Diaz when they, uh, when they uh, announced the departure. Uh, showing a photo of Manny Diaz, our education commissioner, uh, a lot of who is on their face. True conservative, by yes. the way, it's nothing yeah. like yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Complete antithesis to uh, Manny Diaz, the the Florida Democrat Party chair, uh, now departed. Uh, is this and in his departure, he said uh, he laid the blame on a number of different things other than the party's agenda, right? And I just can't come to grips with the fact that loss after loss after cycle after cycle and they can't seem to look the truth in the face and say your ideas are wildly unpopular. This has been happening for well over 20 or 25 years since Jeb Bush Bush, uh, during his first term when he took office in 1998. So the the reality is there are two there are two uh, one is anecdotal one is qualitative one is quantitative and that is for the first time since the nineteenth century the Democratic Party has no statewide elected official it's yep. amazing secondly um, Ron DeSantis won the state of Florida by a greater percentage than Gavin Newsom won the state of California that is a complete and utter wipeout. Okay, the quantitative component is that we were told eight to 10 years ago by some very smart people who we know well that the Republican Party was in danger of becoming a third party behind the Democratic Party, MPAs, no party affiliation, and then there would be the Republican Party. And and, and, and in fact, the opposite has happened. The Republican Party has become the largest party in the state of Florida by how many? 350,000. Okay. And, and in fact, the opposite has happened. The Republican Party has become the largest party in the state by over 300,000 uh, members. And so, and, and we see that continue to move. This is a diverse state. This is not a homogenous state. This is not yep. Iowa. It's not one of the Dakotas. This is a state 20% roughly Hispanic, 12 to 15% African American. You pick the demographic across the country. And the Republican Party, because they are true to their principles, not because they're Republicans. There's a huge difference, and we at the James Madison Institute believe in the principles of a of a position, not a party. Uh, but because of the principles of of what we've seen over the last 20, 30 years, they have come to come totally dominate the entire state. And in addition to that. As 800 to 900 people a day move to the state from places like Illinois, Connecticut, New York, Michigan, and, and other right. far, you know, bluer 
pastures, they're coming here recognizing what they left and why they left it. And that is turning or has turned the state from a reddish purple to deep red. Mm -hmm. And I, I completely agree with your point on this. This is not necessarily a Republican thing. It's a movement conservative yes. policy thing that the Republican Party has wisely latched onto because historically they have been the party of limited government, less taxes and more right. liberty. So I think what we're seeing and what we will continue to see is a bit of a juxtaposition between the Republican Party of Florida, which I think has done an absolutely tremendous job over the last 15 years, versus... The Republican National Committee, or the or the the Republican Party nationally, which is, I mean, in a bit of turmoil. Right. I mean, when you look at you know the the fight for the chair uh, chairman or chairwoman position uh, that's about to happen, when you see what's happening in other states, I think Florida continues to set itself apart. Absolutely, one hundred percent. All right, let's finish up on sports. Great, uh, great topic to kind of land the plane on. Uh, you follow in the playoffs. We got the Giants and the Eagles. Absolutely, I, I am. Uh, I'm not a huge professional sports fan, but I am once it gets to the playoffs yep. because they get serious. So yep. football, basketball, and baseball they take it to a completely different level intensity wise. Great weekend of sports. I totally missed the second half of the Jaguars game. I, know. I went to bed. Missed the whole thing, but I saw the Bills game. It was a great game. I can't believe they pulled it out, but they did. How about Trevor Lawrence? Right. I mean, look at this. And then, and then, to, I mean, to make him like the the poster child for everything we want Americans to be celebrates the victory at Waffle, Waffle House. House. Yeah, fantastic. Yep, taking photos with the Waffle House crew. It was awesome. But I think it was like a twenty-seven point comeback. Yeah. I mean, just phenomenal. This is a team that, you know, the, the, the old joke, you know, you're down 30. We got you right where we want you. With Trevor Lawrence, that's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. It was just unbelievable. And now you're right. We, we're looking up at a great slate of games. You've got, uh, you know, Eagles, Cowboys. You've got uh, Bills, uh, Bengals. You've got some really interesting games. Does Brady hang it up, or do you think he actually considers what may be an offer out in San Francisco to uh, to go out there and play? I think he I think he considers another I, offer. I'm with you, and I and and I think now he's he's uh, he's jumped the shark. Yeah, he has unfortunately he has gotten to the place where his body can't do what he thinks it can, but he's going to push it to. The you know past the point, and I hate to liken it to. I know Joe Montana at the tail end of his career was kind of like taking uh, whatever position he could just to just to be on a roster. I, I really had hoped that that would not be the case with Brady, but it does look like, in, in my perspective, he's, he's he's going that route. Right, and I we've seen it. How many times have we seen this across sports? Whether it was you know with baseball or Muhammad Ali in boxing, yeah. they just stay five years, three years, two years too long. Now I'm not saying Brady stayed five years too long because the man won a Super Bowl, yep. but I think you're right. I think he's jumped the shark. Um and you know I but I do I think he's going to take his his game to San Francisco or someplace else and see what happens. And I'm actually wondering based on the fact that he lost so much money in the whole FTX crash, 
I'm wondering, is he leveraged? Right. Is it something where he's like, oh, gosh, I need a paycheck to build back some of the right. you know tens of millions I might have lost with uh, with that whole collapse? Um, lastly, uh, you know, this is one where I, I, I stopped paying attention to the NHL when the Hartford Whalers left uh, my home state of Connecticut, and, and they're no longer. They did, in fact, have the greatest logo of any sports team <laughs> in the history of professional sports. I, I Don't at me. I'm, I'm correct on that. So the NHL hosted this Pathway to Hockey Summit job fair in, of all places in Florida, they, they came Fort right. Lauderdale, which I wouldn't have thought would have been the Mecca, but they were there. It excluded everyone except participants 18 years of older or older, it, based in the U.S., and, and those who identify as female, black, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, Latino, indigenous, LGBTQIA, or a person with a disability. So basically, they wanted everyone except white, non-veteran, straight men. And the governor caught wind of this and promptly blasted the NHL on it. Well, I mean, we're, we're re- talking about jumping the shark on this whole idea of race and gender and DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Talk about jumping the shark. We jumped that a long time ago. It's just that now we're seeing people... Um, on the conservative side, fight back. And really, the governor has been a standard bearer on this issue. Um, you know, as believers in the Constitution, as believers in the Bill of Rights, they're there for everyone. And we know the nation, you know, we're talking about a day, you know, two days after the celebration of Martin Luther King Day. Um, we're, we are, the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they are, that is there for everyone. And while the nation has not been perfect, to now exclude anyone based on uh, gender or color or race or creed or religion, it, it's it's you know the 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 left and the wokest have had their day. What you're seeing now is significant pushback on the part of the right, all all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United right. States, which is uh, set to issue its ruling on affirmative action right. in higher education institutions. Right. So that's right. I, I expect this to continue. Uh, I think the left is scared because they kind of see that, again, their ideas and policies are wildly unpopular when presented to a mass audience. And so that's something that I think is going to continue to move uh, in the direction of, as you referenced uh, MLK Day, to, you know, uh, being judged on the content of your character, not on the color of your skin. And... Post the governor making a kind of a, a blast on the NHL, they uh, changed the language, uh, interestingly enough, on the event page to say, it is welcome to anyone not familiar with hockey, which may sound, you know, okay at first glance, but it's a thinly veiled swipe saying hockey is only you know, familiar to straight white men, in my opinion. And that's something where I I just think, you know, they just got mad and tried to, you know, it was a backhanded change. Sure, of course. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Spill the Tea. Uh, For Bob McClure, I am Sal Nuzzo. We thank you so much for listening. Hope to come to you soon. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, 
Follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.